Today's episode is presented by Yelp. Yelp's mission is to connect people with great local businesses. They also offer great solutions for restaurants looking to streamline their front of house and increase sales. Millions of diners are already using Yelp, and these products are a great way to capitalize on that network. Head over to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp to claim your free page and learn more about these powerful tools for your business. Now here we go. Could we create uh, a financing that didn't involve debt, didn't involve paying us back, didn't involve taking money out of a cash register or a, um, a credit card processing, and then also didn't involve equity? Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the future of the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators, served up on the house. Are you ready to level up? The Pineapple Post has launched, and I'd like for you to be a part of it. It's a newsletter for people like you, people who want to learn and improve. It's delivered every Sunday, and it's packed with stories, videos, and audio content from the brightest minds in our industry. We're covering the latest news, innovations, and trends to inform and inspire the way you do business. When you're serious about your work and you're ready to take it to the next level, the Pineapple Post is here to help. You can sign up at pineapplepost.news. I hope you check it out. Restaurateurs tackle many problems, but money problems always make it to the top of the list. And I think if we're gonna rethink the whole industry, we need to start with financing. See, we start these passion projects so deeply in debt that we spend the first several years trying to dig our way out. And that's just no way to run a business. My search for innovative ideas to avoid debt financing led me to Johan Munasinger. On this episode, we chat about his company, InKind. It's a restaurant financing company that's created a debt-free model worth exploring. We begin today with Johan describing the path that led to InKind. I actually started a company with my college roommate, and it didn't do well. It, nine months later, it failed, but the same two people started another company through this tech incubator and had a, a good outcome. I thought, can I do the same thing with chefs? So I created a incubator in Washington, D.C., where chefs could come in and we could help them with all the things that maybe they weren't great about, not, they didn't know a lot about, you know, um, finding real estate, picking the point of sale, doing marketing, and then I could de-risk my investments because I would invest in them as they moved out. Um, and it really was a good, it was fun. It, I learned, I ran it myself, you know, for four four and a half years. What was the name um, of the company and what year was this? It was called Prequel. Um, and we opened in 2015 and we ran until 2017. And then we moved locations. It was a two-year lease. Then we moved locations and did another two-year lease um, that ended in December of last year. And it was uh, uh, one... Now that I, you know, have actually run restaurants and invest in restaurants and finance restaurants, I would never sign a two-year lease. You know, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but, but, but it being the, you know, first time, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you make those those mistakes, which hopefully now we can tell people not to make. Um, but yeah, it was in Washington D.C. Um, and my husband and I, um, he was a a lawyer in England, and when um, Doma was overturned. Um, he, I was able to sponsor him for a visa, so he moved to America. We were living in D.C., and I wanted to start a startup, and 
you know, he's a corporate lawyer. So I was like, if you go and work for a big law firm and I'm doing a startup and we'll see each other. So let's just do this thing together. And so he and I started a prequel with a couple of friends. Um, and then in kind really came out of that experience of us running this incubator. Well, in, in looking from the outside, did you see foundational issues within the industry? Like coming, co- coming from a background outside of hospitality, were you like, man, these things aren't set up for success. There, there are issues with this and that and this. And if so, what were those issues that you saw? You know, the problem with restaurant investments, and as you know, in general, is that um, restaurants don't make that much money, but sometimes cost a lot of money to build out or to open. And the investors put that money in. And so fairly, they want to get their money back out. And so it's structured so that the operators get us, you know, a small percentage or no or zero profits until the investors are paid back. And if that takes a long time, the operator who's working 100 hours a week in the restaurant is like, well, I'm working 100 hours a week and I've been in there for five years, not seeing my family and, and I'm not getting any of the profits. And the investors are like, well, I'm still haven't been paid back, you know, and so. Right. And the equity means very little because, I mean, you're not going to, most restaurants don't exit. So there aren't a lot of people that sell (laughs) restaurants. So even even the equity split doesn't matter. Cash flows are going to be king. Exactly. That's all that matters. Uh, I was actually talking to somebody about a restaurant structure last week. And I said the exact same thing. I said, it doesn't matter how much equity you have. All you care about is the cash flows. And that's something that somebody you and I know, because we've now been in the business a long time, but somebody on the outside who's never done an investment in a restaurant, they don't understand that part at all. Uh, Absolutely. But. Well, and, and so you've tried to come up with creative solutions to the financing issues the restaurants face, right? Yeah, we, we did. You know, we, um, we did it from a different sort of perspective. Well, that's actually probably the same perspective as everybody who finances restaurants is they want something in their neighborhood that they love and they want to be a part of, you know, and people who are investing in restaurants aren't doing it you know, unless you're a big private equity firm or something, you're not doing it to make a huge return. You're doing it to build something in the community that you want. Um, and I think, you know, after after I had done sort of 30 of those and realized the parts that didn't make sense, we created a different financing model to do it in a way that we think made sense, to help our friends open restaurants, you know, and it took us even a couple of years to, to really figure it out. Um, but, you know, we're really happy with what we built, but we didn't do it as like a banker looking at how do I maximize return, right? Mm-hmm. And I think people who did do it that way, um, COVID has, has basically uh, eliminated them, um, you know, from restaurant financing. And that's, you know, you look at the, a lot of the really big players who are lending billions of dollars to small restaurants, but they're doing it as merchant cash advances, right? Which is really a last resort desperate loan because if you can't pay your rent with 100% of your cash flow and you borrow from somebody who then takes you know 10% of your credit card receipts, there's no way you're going to pay the rent the next month with 90% oh, I, of your cash yeah, flow. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, right. If cash flow was an issue before, it'll be an issue after. I mean, I would argue that uh, most of the industry has been propped up on net 30s, net 45s, net 60s, and Amex loans, right? Yes. Yes, that's exactly right. Exactly right. And, and it, you know, it, it, it kind of worked pre-pandemic in the sense that you just churn through the restaurants. You know, if you can make enough money on a restaurant before it closes, you go to the next one and you make money on that guy before he closes, right? right? Uh, and yeah, you have a whole bunch of poor operators who are now, you know, 
without restaurants and probably have personal guarantees on their homes and loans and have to go bankruptcy. But the financer is like, well, that's okay. You know, I get that 15% of my loans are going to fail as long as I charge 35% interest. You know, the math works, right? Yeah. And, um, but they don't actually have to go and sit down with the bank, the baker who now, you know, is losing their home, right? <laughs> because right. it's all, you know, they're not, and whereas we, these are our friends. So we created something that, that made sense. And then the nice thing for us is because it made sense through the pandemic, we've had 0.1% losses, you know, which is crazy. Like, in, and actually overall, our portfolio, our financing has made money through the pandemic, you know, because our losses are so small. Only one restaurant that we work with is, has not reopened um, through the pandemic. And, you know, well, it's a little cap cafe, but okay. I was going to say, we've been speaking in the abstract and I'd like to get concrete. Talk to me about the financing strategy of in-kind. Yeah, um, I think, you know, not, uh, I don't want this to definitely be a, a plug for in-kind. So, you know, no, I don't talk, either, but it's, a, it's yeah. an innovative perspective, which is why I, I thought it was good to have you on the show. Because yeah, there are options outside of debt financing. Yeah, and that's what was important to us. Could we create uh, a financing that didn't involve debt, didn't involve paying us back, didn't involve taking money out of a cash register or a, um, a credit card processing, and then also didn't involve equity or cash flow from the business, right? Like, mm-hmm. because all of those things, like, might be necessary at some stage or, you know, you need capital to open, you get the capital, but could we create something different? And from our experience running the restaurant, we had a chef that was in the incubator and he needed $50,000 to open uh, his own location, you know, which is, we found him a little second gen space, 18 seat restaurant. He just needed some inventory and some mm-hmm. furniture. And so what we said was, yeah, let's do this. Let's buy food and beverage credit. Cause we know that that glass of wine that somebody is coming in and spending $10 on, costs three dollars right mm-hmm. so let me buy food and beverage credit he doesn't have to pay us back he doesn't bring on partners we buy it in bulk and then we went and sold that restaurant credit to people and um, those people came in and they used it and we sold it in high dollar amounts so it took them years to use the credit mm-hmm. um three years later only 70 percent of the credit was even used um and you know he was able to have his own restaurant without any partners and without any debt um and have a bunch of customers come in and, and eat his food so it was really kind of a, a great model. Now we've funded probably 450 restaurants since. Vegas today, I think, is like 1.2 million that we've financed because we have to be able to sell the credit, you know, right. as well in a, in a reasonable time period. Um, now during the sort of during the pandemic, every other lender has pulled out and every other financer has pulled out. So we're seeing we'll actually do this quarter almost as much financing as we've done for the entire past four years. Um, so for us, it's just, it's really grown. We, and we work, what, what I'll say I love about our financing is like, we don't look at things like uh, credit scores. Like we don't care because we're not asking the restaurant to pay us back, right? So their right. ability to pay it alone or whatever, doesn't matter to us. What we care about is, are people gonna buy this credit? So we look at things like, are these hospitable restaurants? Are they pe- the restaurants people wanna go back into, mm-hmm. right? Um, there was a, there's a restaurant in DC called Thamy. Um, one of my favorite uh, people, um, you know, mother daughter team. They're immigrants. They wanted to open this restaurant, Thamy. Nobody wanted to invest with them. Nobody wanted to finance them. 
we ended up doing it because we ate at their pop-up and it was like, wow, they're awesome people who are serving great food. You know, so we financed them, they were able to open and now then of course they won a ton of awards and, you know, mm -hmm. um, and I think, so that's, what's really unique about our financing. We also, you know, we have a, so we have a disproportionately high percentage of women and minorities that we're able to finance, which is just really important to us as, you know, as humans. <laughs> and um, yeah, right. so that's what I like. That's kind of what I like about, about our financing, you know, let's just do it in a way that we enjoy doing. But it begs the question, like, how do you pick the winners? Yeah, we, um, you know, our underwriting, I guess, maybe from my tech background, is, is really based on quality of food. You know, we look at Yelp reviews. And for example, if a Yelp review has a lot of mentions of the owner and how great that owner has been and how hospitable they'll be, we can fund more because we know that people will buy that and they'll have a great experience when they come into the restaurant and then, you know, with the credit. So we look at, you know, uh, Instagram fo uh, followers and we look at Facebook likes and as much as we can, we try to eat the food, you know, uh, and, and see, how, you know, in the restaurant as possible. What is the experience like? Um, sometimes we can't do that, um, especially during the pandemic, but we can do most of it online. But mm -hmm. yeah, so our, you know, our, um, for us, a winner also is defined by, can we sell this credit? And the second part is, can we help this restaurant knock out of business? Because if restaurant goes out of business, then right. we're stuck with a bunch of credit, you know, that we can't sell, or we have customers who bought credit and can't use it. That's a, that's a lose situation for anyone. So we, we, we know because we own our own small businesses at our restaurants, like that there's a lot to worry about when you own a restaurant. So we try to help them in things other than just financing. So we help them with marketing, right? We help them. We know that email marketing is by far the best form of marketing with their customers. So we'll help them to generate, to gather emails. We'll engage with those emails because just gathering emails doesn't do you any good, right? right. And if you don't send a customer an email for a year, they're like, why am I getting an email, right? Mm -hmm. So we build workflows so that people can engage with their customers. And we do it not just to help us, but so that they can let their customers know about new menu items. You, you know, hours during the pandemic, patios opening, all these things. And then we also help with cash flow management. So that was one of the reasons, um, you know, we, last year, uh, we had about total about 1.8% losses. So that's restaurants closing with credit that we still had credit in. Um, and it came down to 0.1% this year. But a lot of that industry average is just, you know, it's 15%. So it's much, much higher. Mm -hmm. Part of it is that we just really help with cash flow. So if you're an independent restaurant, um, you know, things that we might do are every day we will take out the amount that you would owe in rent. And then at the end of the month, we pay the landlord that amount. So we don't charge a fee. We just do it. Um, so that the restaurants are never behind on rent because what we found is that with independent restaurants, the, you know, the number one reason they close is because the operators are just working way too hard and, and don't want to do it anymore. But if they get are forced to close, the number one reason is is because they get behind on rent. And once you're three months behind on rent and you get that, you know, demand letter for three months of rent, which you don't have, then you get evicted and um, and you know that's and that's the end of the restaurant. So now we don't have a single restaurant that's behind on rent. Um, you know, we can do the same things with the sales tax. And so it really just is about helping the operators, you know, be, be more successful in a scalable way. So where can we implement technology that we're good at, you know? Um, and then we also make recommendations like, you know, do they, if they need a, 
a marketing firm, you know, hopefully we've worked with restaurants in that area. We've worked with the marketing team. So we'll ask them, Hey guys, who do you recommend? Right. And then we can kind of gather that information and give it to the other restaurants. So kind of like we see this a lot too, is the restaurant owners want to help each other. You know, can we provide have a community uh, conduit so they can do that? Well, I I have a question about financing as well in terms of dollar amount, because I would assume based off my own foolish optimism and my own past experience, (laughs) the guys have come to you and said, I'm opening a restaurant. Here's the concept. Here's the location. I need $50,000. And you're like, no, bro, you need (laughs) $250,000. Right? This, This happens a lot. (laughs) because i i have never opened a restaurant and i've opened three plus i've opened and those are the ones that i own but i've opened a bunch for other people and i've never opened a restaurant with more than two weeks worth of payroll in the bank account maybe if i had planned accordingly one of the huge issues isn't that restaurants don't generate enough revenue it's that they start off in the hole right they start off on yes under finance talk to me about that yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that uh, people do what they can. You know, end of the day, like if if they're opening a restaurant and they can get the extra two hundred thousand, so that they have the the sort of the rule. The rule we'll call it in quotes is six months. You know, you want six months of at least rent and um, fixed costs. You know, in the bank, because almost always the rest, your restaurant loses money in the first year. Like, you know, there are exceptions, but almost always, even big restaurant groups, when they open a restaurant, the first year they expect they're going to lose money. They're figuring out their staffing. They're figuring out the menus that work right. in that particular location. They're building a customer base. You know, this takes time to do. So you need to have enough cash to get through that. And, uh, you know, really, unless you, you have, uh, um, your own money you can put in or you have enough cash in the bank. If you don't have that, you end up in a hole, which is why you hear the statistics about so many restaurants closing so quickly, right? Is because they're, they're in that, they're, they're in a hole. So what we do from our, our perspective is we actually, we allocate additional financing for when a restaurant that opens doesn't have enough money and then calls us and says, Oh my gosh, I actually need another, $50,000. We go, okay, yeah, we plan on that. How often does that happen? Um, We usually, um, a lot. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) 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 But, but it's, you know, it's planned for. So it's good because if they don't need the money, they don't have to take the money. But if they do need the money, we're there as a partner. So that's the other way to do it for restaurants is, you know, they can, as long as they have maybe one in their own account personally, or they have investors that are willing to put more in if they need it. The really hard part, though, is if you um, if you open a restaurant and you have a bunch of investors, you tell them, hey, we're going to be profitable from day one, which is what most people do. And then the restaurants, as we talked about earlier, the investors, like they're not experts in restaurant investing. They're just doing this, you know, to get this restaurant off the ground. Right. You back to them three months later and you're like, oh, actually, I need more money. They're going to be like, well, I'm not giving you more money because you didn't do any of the things you said you were going to do. Right. So right. I, think, I think restaurant owners would behoove them. Um, to be upfront if they can with the investors and say, look, we need $250,000. If, if we wanted to open properly, we're not, we don't have that right now. So we only have 50,000. We're going to open to 50,000, but as a heads up, we might need to take on additional capital 
Um, what happened has happened historically is that they take out a merchant cash advance, you know, after a couple of months, which is these really high interests and uh, loans that take money away from the cash flow, and they just keep themselves deeper and deeper into a hole, and then eventually they close because it right. you know, doesn't make sense. So. Well, that's why I wanted to have you on the show. Uh, and it's because, you know, we can we can have a, like an informed conversation about money. Nobody gets into the restaurant industry to become a bookkeeper. That's, <laughs> that's not why we're in it. But every day, all you do is have conversations about money because it, it moves to the forefront of every conversation because you can't afford the food or the labor or the rent or the utilities. And, and it, it becomes a grind and takes, you know, all of the joy out of what, what is easily the most joyous experience one can have, which is, you know, the joy of serving someone else. I know from personal experience, when we opened our first restaurant, which is an incubator, which is even more complicated, you know, we raised 300000 or something like that. And, you know, and we opened with that. And I had to put in maybe almost an additional $500,000 that first year you know, just to get it sort of stabilized and have that runway, as you, as you said, to, to, and the next year, you know, thankfully I was able to, to, uh, to pay back some of those loans, but ours was only a two year lease. So that was again, why you would never do it, never do a two year lease, <laughs> you know, but, um, but yes, you're right. Like, and that's where I think restaurateurs, I would say like the, the, the default position should be, I really want to open a restaurant, but I'm not going to unless I can do X, Y, and Z, you know, I'm not going to open unless I can get a great lease in a great location, you know, with fair terms, right? Like, and you don't, don't settle on a, on a bad lease, you know, because you really want to open a restaurant, like keep looking, right. you know, and when you find the spot, then it's, how do I get the capital? And, you know, don't sign the lease until you know, you can have the right amount of money that you need to be successful. You know, and if you can do those things, then you'll open set up for success. But in that example, for me, if I, you know, wasn't fortunate enough to be able to self-finance a little bit more capital, or a lot more capital, <laughs> in order to keep the restaurant right. open, we would have we would have closed. You know, what other choice would there have been? The, <laughs> and uh, and that's where a lot of restaurateurs just put, find themselves in in really bad positions. It's not their fault though, because in a sense, every operator ninety five percent lose money that first year. You know, right. like you just have to know that going in and plan for that going in because the really, really great groups that, you know, we all know and love, they lose money their first year too. Yeah. <laughs> it's not sure. that they're, you know, better operators, you know, it's just that they plan that and they know that going mm -hmm. into it. So yes, definitely, you know, whenever anybody asks me who's, who's not in the business, you know, like, hey, can you finance a restaurant? I want to open a restaurant. The first thing I'll do is I'll say, don't open a restaurant. I want to go back to something you said before, which is if restaurateurs start with not only the appropriate amount of financing to get open, but six months worth of runway, they've outsourced their bookkeeping to someone that they trust, and they're able to, to have enough money to start with a team. Conceptually, you would be able to afford that team ongoing if they're doing a world-class job. But the reason you don't start with a, you know, an outsourced accounting team and bookkeeping team and marketing team is because you don't have the financing to do it. And I, I just, for me, it always comes back to the same thing, which is, you know, I, through, through the three concepts that I owned and operated, I would say two of the three had very, very happy endings. 
Um, but they all had very, very sad beginnings <laughs> where, <laughs> I was, where I was over time, I was over budget, I was exhausted, I was broke. And the day that we opened was when the job actually began. And so, you know, I, I hope that the take home from all of this is that, you know, money might be the bane of our existence, but it could also be the key to our salvation. In, in sort of the tech, tech world, they'll always say, like, it's better to raise more money than less money, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you, you, you know, overall, right? It definitely, like, yeah, there's going to be a little more dilution and all these things. But if you have people that are willing to, you know, to give you financing, you're able to raise money and you need, and you're going to need that money, take it now. And I think that's mm-hmm. where a lot of people get really excited uh, about opening a restaurant and they find a lease, they sign the lease. Then they go and they start raising money and they're like probably well short of what they really need to open. And they go, oh, that's okay. At least I have enough money to open the doors. And that like, I get it. That practically is what happens. But um, I would really, really, really try to encourage people, especially now because in the, in the pandemic world, there are all, it's a way, way harder to get money. It's an industry podcast. And so, you know, the folks listening are owners and operators of, of restaurants across the country, across the world at this point. Um, you are, have a bird's eye view into dozens, almost 100 restaurants, right? Yeah, four, 400 plus. Yeah. 400 plus <laughs> restaurants. Um, and I'm sure it's just a sea of success stories, right? What I'd love to hear from you now are, you know, words of encouragement or advice from the folks that you see in the trenches now doing great work and making great money. Yeah. You know, the pandemic, um, it was obviously very, very stressful on everybody, you know, when it happened. But I think what I've seen now is I'm talking to a lot of restaurants who are looking at next year as an amazing time to expand. You know, there's a lot of weaker, we'll call them weaker restaurants that failed during the pandemic. Maybe they didn't have good relationships with their landlords prior. So the landlord used it as an excuse, you know, to, to not, to not negotiate with them. So then of course nobody can pay full rent during the pandemic. Right. Um, what that's done is created a lot of opportunity. So the good operators, the ones that can get through the pandemic, and, you know, they don't have to be making a lot of money right now, but at least they're getting through the pandemic, are looking for these amazing opportunities next year. You know, you're going to have tens of thousands, 100,000 plus re- new restaurants that are opening in mm-hmm. second generation spaces with yeah. landlords that want good operators. So this is a sort of amazing opportunity to find and open a restaurant with a lot less money you know, yeah. than you ever need. Um, and that's, that's, I think what's exciting, you know, like, uh, you just have to get through this and the ones that are in it, the people who are innovating, they're listening to this podcast, you know, they know who they are and they're like, they're making it work, right. They're figuring out third party delivery in a way that makes sense. They're figuring out their packaging in a way that makes sense. They've put it in their outdoor, you know, patios and they've winterized them and they've trimmed down their menu, right. So that they don't need as many people in the kitchen and like they turned out labor and they've negotiated deals with their landlords. Like, those guys and girls and you know are going to be very successful in the next two, three years because they're going to be able to open at very, very low cost. I think a lot of cases, people are going to be able to open restaurants without partners, without debt, 
you know, maybe with some in kind, but, um, and, and then it's theirs and then they're making all the profits. And so a lot of the systemic problems that we've seen through traditional finance or equity partners just won't exist. That's Johan Munisinger. For more on his company, go to inkind.com. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, check out our video content, or read our weekly blog, go to joshkopel.com. That's J-O-S-H-K-O-P-E-L.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.